This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Welcome back to our Knowledge at Wharton special from the Reimagining Education Conference and Awards here in downtown Philadelphia. Just a reminder that we are with you each and every weekday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific, and then our show replays in the evenings at 10 p.m. East, 7 p.m. out on the West Coast. As we have mentioned, digital is a key component of our society, and it is with education as well. Numerous tech giants understand the role that they must play to assist and lift education for this generation and uh, future ones as well. Jonathan Rochelle is product director at Google, primarily responsible for Google Apps for Education. He's also the co-founder of Google Docs and Google Drive. Pleasure meeting you. Thank you for being here today. Thanks for having me. So with all of your that your company seemingly is doing right now, it feels like that Google truly has an appreciation and an understanding about how important it is that digital be a part of, of education now. Yeah, we do feel that way. I mean, there's a few different reasons for it. First is very basic, and that's what we really tried to solve with Google Classroom, which is the efficiency of the classroom. Teachers have too much to do. They're the most important element in the classroom. And uh, when they have too much to do, it's very hard for them to add new tools. So everybody throws new tools at them, and they can't find the time. So we went after that first, to save teachers time. And that's what Google Classroom was all about. And so what are the really the, the core benefits that you have seen from just something as simple as that, of, of looking at the time component uh, of education? Because I think a lot of people uh, would probably be more focused on you know what is being taught and how it's being taught and not necessarily the time element. Yeah, we took a humble approach to that. We, um, we're Google. We're not educators. And so we really worked with educators to say, you know best how to teach. That's, that's our assumption. What we can help you with is the technology that can be used to teach. And when you think about technology to teach, there are, there are different categories. The first is just the process of teaching, using technology to teach uh, and the process. Second is uh, the tools, like you're saying. You know, what, what can you um, use technology to teach better? So if there's math apps or there's uh, writing apps or different ways to give feedback, which is why a lot of teachers use Google Docs because there's real-time collaboration to give feedback. So those two things are very different. And then the third, I would say, maybe is the most important, which is showing students the relevance for their future. They are going to be using technical tools in their future. Everything they do will have some technical component, practically. Maybe if they go for a hike, hopefully. Right. Uh, they yeah. won't have any technology with them. But um, there's definitely the element of let's, let's show them relevance. Do you also have to focus on the access issue as well? Because I, I, I know that one of the things that's been discussed is you know, what's being taught in here in Philadelphia may be different than what's being taught in West Virginia, or at least the access to it because of the digital component. How, how much do you... Be- are you concerned about that as well? We're very concerned about that. That's actually, I would say, a top-level Google concern. So from the CEO down, we're focused on as much as we can do, and a lot of that is grants, philanthropy, right. to help schools and, and people generally access the Internet, access information, uh, have the same tools that anyone might have that has the resources for that. So it is a problem, actually, because the 
some of the best new models for teaching are technical. And if you can't access them, you're, you're, you're increasing the gap between people that have and people that have not. So uh, we are concerned about it. We're doing a lot to, to help um, as much as we can um, and, and provide access. And it's the same with, with technology machines, with, with hardware. Chromebooks are very accessible because of the cost. Right. They're just an incredibly you know, cost-effective tool, which is why they've taken off in the classroom. Is a majority of the focus that, that you have really on the K-12 through area, and, and obviously the higher education piece to it is important, but it seems like with some of the development pieces, and as you mentioned, with the, just focusing on the timing issue for teachers, the, the focus can be more on the K-12 through space. Yeah, that's well, not actually our intention. So K-12 took off for us, especially in the U.S. It's just been an incredible success because the problem that we happened to solve was the problem that was in desperate need of a solution in U.S. K-12 classrooms and, and global. We are actually seeing our tools being used in higher ed, and that was our intention. I think actually even the name classroom, if we called it lecture hall, it might have been used more in, in <laughs> higher true, ed. Yeah. But it's still being used uh, tremendously in higher ed. It's actually very similar problems. It's just there's less, there's less need. The, the problem that we, that we solved in the early phases of this product um, didn't hit the specific needs of professors as much as they hit them with classroom teachers, but we're starting to see that shift. Jonathan Rochelle is a product director at Google. We are at the Reimagining Education Conference here in Philadelphia. As you're listening to Knowledge at Wharton here on Sirius XM 111, business radio powered by the Wharton School. So when you look at, at education, at, at what are the things that you focus on specifically? What are the things that Google focuses on uh, really to try and improve and set up the next generation uh, of learners, whether it be in K-12 or whether it be on the higher ed side? I mean, there's so many areas. One, I'll give you an example, though. Our, our intention is to apply the best technology to learning situations, right, to create learning situations with the best technology. So an example, VR. People talk about how virtual reality, augmented reality can be used in education. We created a product called Google Expeditions, and our intention was twofold. One was to introduce VR to students in a way that isn't isolating because VR, basically, by definition, can be isolating. You yep. put a headset on yep. and you're alone. Yep. We created expeditions so that people could be together. So the teacher guides a whole class at the same time to a, quote, place. Right? They put them in a place. They drop them at the, uh, you know, the pyramids or you know, by the Taj Mahal or, or underwater with the sharks. And the whole class is there together experiencing it together. And that was a, that was a big motivation for us to make sure that VR could be seen as something that's not only always isolating. Um, and the second is to just increase the potential and access to experiences. We, we believe strongly that experiences, experiential learning, and, and research shows that experiential learning is very effective, but it's very hard to get your bus underwater with the sharks, you know, or, or up the mountain, you know, at, uh, at Kilimanjaro or, or Everest. So, so we try to increase that. So instead of a, a student going on two physical field trips a year, let's add 50 virtual field trips. And, and it's not always just a whole trip. It's actually just an element of a lesson. So making it relevant for a learning objective is yeah. the other major goal. But that's just one area. So to a degree, I mean, it is taking the old philosophy of the world is the, is the greatest classroom, but just tweaking it for the digital world that we live in. Yeah, and, and pulling the world into the classroom. Jonathan Rochelle uh, with Google joining us. Uh, you're listening to Knowledge at Wharton here on Sirius XM 111, business radio powered by the Wharton School. So with all this development that, that you and your cohorts at Google have done, it still feels like, though, it's kind of the tip of the iceberg, that they, there are so many areas that can still be investigated, correct? 
Yeah, definitely. There's so much we can do. And, and I think the key for us is partnering with educators. That's what, that's what worked with Google Classroom. Uh, it's worked in the past. And so we're, we're doing that more and more. And, and I think, yeah, the, we haven't seen, I think, anywhere near what we will see in education and how technology will apply to education, just, not just from Google, but from everywhere. How do you think that, that – do you – I would imagine that in, in the mindset of, of developing all of these tools that, that you have kind of thought out the process of how some of these things may develop, where we may be headed in the next decade. Yeah, some. It's very hard, actually. It's funny because we, we try to constantly rethink that and think about a strategy for our products, for our company, and how that relates to education. And I think the key is to start gathering data that can be used to improve outcomes. Ultimately, that's one of the developments we see. Again, not just from Google, but in the industry, we need that. We need to understand what works and what doesn't with teaching. You know, should should it should K twelve actually be twelve years? You know, we don't know that. We we we've really defaulted to what's always been done, um, and in some ways, it's because we haven't changed the tool set that much. We've we've helped administrators control schools a little better. Um, we just started, I think, literally just started giving teachers better tools to teach, but we haven't really measured the pedagogy and said, does this work? Does, does each of these tools work and constantly tweak that and, most importantly, share it from teacher to teacher, from school to school? You bring up a, a, an interesting point that I wanted to, to bring up anyway is the fact that education traditionally has been X for you know, 50, 75 years. Now we're starting to take it into education is either Y or X plus Y. And, and is there... I guess there's probably not a hesitancy, but there's probably a little bit of a concern or wondering of how that will all play out from the education side, not necessarily your side, mm. but from the educators as well. Yeah, I think that's true. And and I think the draw or the pull to make education different, better, more effective actually is a commercial expectation from companies that need employees. Right. They're basically saying, we're not getting the employees equipped with the skills that we need them to be equipped with. And a lot of those skills are soft skills. They're problem solving, critical thinking, you know, computing skills, uh, or computational thinking skills. So that's what's pushing educators to change, but not fast enough because it really has to change at the higher ed level. Yeah. And when higher ed changes, then K-12 will change. So, so you believe that it has to be a almost a top-down change rather than a bottom-up change. I do. When I, when I see my students studying for a test and ultimately feel, wow, that test is only going to measure uh, memorized skills, memorized facts, I realize that the reason they're studying so hard for that test and the reason that the, their school is so focused on that test, their high school, is because higher ed is focused on that test's results, so the SAT or you know, any of the, the entry-level tests. And we need higher ed to actually drive that change down, to say it's more about the knowledge, the skills, the capabilities, problem solving, not just how you do on a standardized test. And so once I do believe that it's going to be top-down. What do you think is is the expectation in a conference coming to a conference like this? Because as you alluded to, and our other guests have so far, is the fact that we may think of a lot of these issues as United States issues. When realistically, when you think about being here, this is a global perspective on education that probably not a lot of people in the United States necessarily focus on, but it's really something that that does need to be looked at. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely global, and I really respect the organizers of Reimagine Education because they think of it globally and because they actually apply it globally. They, they have a global aspect uh, that I don't see in every conference or, or every gathering. So for me, the value is talking to educators and entrepreneurs alike to say, you know, what can we really do to change and start applying those pressures 
to say, let's change it. And sometimes a global example will emerge that can be used by other countries, you know, other school districts, but in any country. Do it, it, but does the core basic idea of education, does that carry in Australia and, and the Far East and, and Europe as well? I mean, there has to be a commonality on this as well. Definitely. There's a lot. There, there's so much in common, actually, in human learning. I think the, the school systems are close enough where you can make very simple analogies between them, even if there's very small differences. They're, they are small. They're not that big. Uh, technologically, though, are, are, what are the differences that you have to factor in when you're talking about uh, different lifestyles, different countries, different areas? I mean, I think it's mostly for us what we see is policy differences. In other words, yeah. some, some countries do it top down. The whole country, uh, they decide how education will be delivered, and other countries don't. Other countries, you know, let, like, for example, the states define uh, what happens, um, even the school districts. But that's the major difference. Otherwise, it's very common. It's, there's a lot of similarity, more similarity than there are differences. How, how do you think entrepreneurship in this area has, has helped develop uh, the technology and the education platforms that we see now and we're going to see in the future? I think it's one of the most important things. I think the problem with entrepreneurship in the ed tech area is simply the business models being very hard. It's hard to make money in this area and, you know, put your hand on your heart and say, I'm not here for the money. I'm here for the improvement in education. And, and I think that's what's held back but some, again, you see these small bubbles of success that I do believe will end up becoming huge uh, successes on a broad scale once they get recognized and once we combine it with real research and say the outcomes are changing. Nice meeting you, Jonathan. Thank you very much. Thanks. Jonathan Rochelle, Product Director at Google. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.